Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. as the iconic Joan Ferguson, the freak in prisoner, but she's more at home on the stage and she has a real love of the entertainment industry. Maggie Kirkpatrick, welcome to McKnight Tonight. Thank you, Rob. It is so great to have you here because we're in your lovely home and thank you for inviting me in. But it's interesting when I read your book because I got a new perspective of you in that you are a very giving person. I've worked with you a couple of times, but I haven't really gotten to know you during those times. But you you name like hundreds of people and the great work they did rather than talking about your own achievements a lot of the time. Well, I, th- I think a lot of that comes from the, uh, the point that the people I have worked with and if I have praised their efforts in the book is because they also made me look good too. You know, I mean... I often say that um, being on stage or, or performing, it, it, it's sometimes a little like a tennis match, you know. You're only mm. as good as the person opposite you. Yes. And uh, if you've got a good player opposite you who's supportive and with you and you you know what each other is doing, then it becomes a very exciting game. And uh, I just felt that a lot of those wonderful people who have crossed my path uh, or my stage <laughs> um, deserve... Recognition. Uh, and, of course, we mentioned the book. The book is called The Gloves Are Off. Mm. What is it like writing a book like that? Is it intensive? Is it intrusive when you're trying to think back and how much do you open up? Mm, I, 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 it was a double-edged sword. Um, some of it was fun mm. to write. Um, some of it was kind of nostalgic. Mm. Um, especially writing about friends who are no longer with us. Mm. Um, It was a little painful reliving a very ugly time in my life in 2015, which is well documented. Um, But all I can say is thank God for Google because (laughs) it, it prodded my memory. I had a list of stuff that I'd done over these 56 years or whatever it was. But I, I could go to Google and find out who I was working with at that time, where we were, where we toured, and it, it prodded 
other other things. Mm. It, it prodded stories ah. that I could tell about that time, you know. It's funny, you call yourself a Luddite, but just texting with you over the last few <laughs> days, you are a texting queen. Oh, I yeah. said that to you earlier. <laughs> and it does not surprise me you're a queen of Google as well. So <laughs> you talk yourself down. This seems to be a theme with oh. you. You talk yourself down. Maybe it's because um, growing up in Newcastle, one was constantly threatened with, oh, who, the, who do you think you are? I'll wake up to yourself, you know. Do you think that's what's kept you grounded? Because that comes across to me a lot. You are one of the most grounded people I've met in the industry. There's a lot of pretenders mm. and a lot mm. of wannabes. Mm. You have been doing it for a long time, but you're so well grounded. Yeah, I I have at times not been. Mm-hmm. I have at times been rather flighty and um, perhaps a little grand. I think we've all been guilty of that. Yeah, and uh, fortunately I've had some very loving friends who've pulled me into gear. <laughs> so just pull your head in, Mag, pull your head in. Um, about being grounded, I, uh, I don't know. I, I come from fairly pragmatic stock, yep. so maybe maybe that's it, yeah. And what has been the the craziest and enjoyable thing about your years in the entertainment industry you know like you've had lots of adventures Mm. what would be the most exciting part I mean you know I think of Sammy Davis Jr and you're going to his house and you've just lived this life that's been quite extraordinary (laughs) it's very funny you should say that because it all seems very ordinary to me really yeah um, yes, indeed, the uh, the Sammy Davis Jr. fan thing was was fantastic. You know, I mean, who wouldn't be flattered mm. by um, admiration from somebody like him? So he approached you oh, to come yeah. on the show. Like he wanted to come and see Prisoner. Yeah. He wanted to see the making when he was in Australia, and then he invited you to his house. Yeah, and and to see him perform in Vegas, mm. where he was working with Bill Cosby, and that was hysterical. <laughs> I I ached and ached from laughter. <laughs> they, they were monstrous on stage together. A couple of naughty kids. <laughs> and, um, and, of course, it was long before uh, the proverbial hit the fan about mm. Mr Cosby yeah. because I spent a very pleasant half hour in his dressing room having a drink with his manager and um, a couple of other guests and talking about everything from from show business to politics to whatever, mm. so that that was a fun time and and celebrating my birthday at his house with um, Altavis, his wife. But you talk about exciting things. I think being on the stage of the Royal Albert Hall and being booed by five thousand people <laughs> is pretty damn exciting. So that was the prisoner reunion. <laughs> no, no, it it was. Um, the, the musical that I did on the West End. Oh, sorry, not the reunion. Yeah. The Prisoner of the Musical yeah. is what I mean. And, my and it was um, it, it was the annual Stonewall um, charity fundraiser, a big variety concert that um, um, Elton John and um, Sir Ian McKellen are, are very much a part of. And uh, because I was working with Lily Savage or mm-hmm. Paul O'Grady, and we were about to open the show on the West End. They asked if we would do a spot in this variety concert. Um, Carly Minogue sang a duet with with Elton. <laughs> Elton in a very drab frock and a shocking <laughs> wig. And they did a number called Sisters. Oh. 
Ah, uh, yes, I know the song. <laughs> Kylie has often performed that with her sister, Danny. Oh, right. Well, it was something else when she did it with Elton in a, <laughs> in a frock. Um, so Paul and I, being ready to open the show uh, later that week, I think, off we went uh, to do a number and the idea was that Paul would go be introduced and go on stage and we were in costume. He was as Lily and I was as Joan Ferguson. And he went on stage, much cheering. I mean, he's so loved. Mm. Cheering and applauding and applauding. And then I, I had to speak into a mic from backstage. Oh, right. As Joan Ferguson. Well, this hush went over the Royal Hall <laughs> and I strode on stage in Joan Ferguson fashion and there was uproar. There were cheers, there were boos, <laughs> there was, oh. And it went, all I could do was pace up and down, snarling at at, uh, at Paul uh, in character while all this kerfuffle went on behind me. You were waiting for the audience to die yeah. down. <laughs> and it must have been five damn minutes. It oh, went wow. on and on and on. I thought... I've been booed by 5,000 people <laughs> on the stage of the Royal Albert Hall. Well, that's an amazing moment, all because of this character you played I on know, TV. I know, yeah. And yet it's not my favourite character. Well, I was about to say, what is your relationship with Joan Ferguson? Sometimes she's a cash cow. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, look, I, I don't have any fondness for the character. Um, I'm proud of what I did for four mm. and a half years. Uh, I'm astonished that it is still going uh, and people are still hooked on Joan Ferguson. Yep. 40 years nearly down the track. It's just crazy. Um, I, I, I don't think much about her at all, when really. When you were playing the role, did you get a sense um, of how she was connecting with the audience? How long into the run did no. you start to... Um, I was contracted for three months, mm -hmm. which was a kind of a standard procedure. Um, but I think it might have been after the producer saw and the network and Grundy saw perhaps two or three episodes mm -hmm. that they then approached me to extend. And So um, they saw it straight away? Apparently, apparently. Um, I don't know about the response. Um so has she then become bigger over time? Rather, yeah, yeah. Um, That's amazing. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I, you genuinely look dumbfounded yeah, by it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. It's beyond me. Now, you say that you feel more at home on the stage than you yeah. do in front of the camera. Yeah. Obviously, the camera beams you into hundreds, thousands, millions of homes mm. and uh, has obviously led to the fame. But what is it about the stage you love? Being in control. Um, That's interesting. Not at the behest of editors. Yes. Not having the safety net of another take. Yes. When something goes wrong, if something goes wrong on stage, you deal with it. Yeah. Um, and the love affair with the audience. It's that immediate response, be it a comedy or a musical or, or a, a, a drama, to feel their response straight away is much more satisfying than 
sitting at home and watching an episode of a television show that you've done mm. six weeks before. And how do you feel when you sit back and watch yourself on TV? Oh, I hate it. <laughs> oh, easy answer there, darling, easy answer. Uh, oh, no. It, 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 I never look the way I think I do. Yeah. yeah I, your body language is fascinating while you think about this because you're you're sort of curling up at the very idea yeah. of watching yourself, you know. It's like I, I, do I don't want to think about it. I do rather. Whereas on stage, I can't see myself but I imagine myself as the person I'm portraying mm. on stage and she can be all kinds of people, which is probably one of the reasons why an over-imaginative child became an actor. Mm. Well, especially growing up in Newcastle, you don't think <laughs> of that happening, do you? You know, no. it, it's not... Oh, but you'd be surprised at the talent that's come from Newcastle. Is that right? Oh, my word. Dancers, singers, actors. Mm. We're out there. But did the parents like it? Did your mum like it when... I don't... She, she didn't mind. She certainly wasn't a stage mum. Mm. Um, and... There was no encouragement yes. needed. Uh, I I just did it, and I when I started to take lessons, speech and drama lessons, she reduced my my um, what do you call it? My my um, uh, what do you that a thing you pay kids every allowance? Week. Yes, <laughs> reduced it from. Ten shillings to five shillings to pay for the tutoring. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least she was paying for the tutoring. Yeah, so that's yeah. nice. That's good. And uh, so it, she just kind of went along. I, I think ultimately she was proud of me. Um, she, I think almost till the day she died, she really thought I should have had a proper job. <laughs> I think she would have perhaps liked to have seen me settle down um, and become the nurse that I wanted to be when I was yes. quite small, maybe marry a doctor or finish up as a wrinkly old matron of a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I think she'd have been very happy with that. I don't think you would have been happy with that, no, no, with no, the adventures no, you've had. No. Um, you've had a lot of sadness throughout your life um, in, in the book, there's a lot of people you seem to have lost along the way mm. and, and AIDS played a big part of yeah. that. Um, you were obviously in the inner city scene. Yeah. Um, how how did it affect you when that was spreading th and, and friends that you knew and loved? Well, well it, was, it was a terrible, terrible time. Um, in, in the early 80s, occasionally some of the young men who worked in the studio, like makeup and hair people, would get sick with a sort of a flu. Yeah. And we none of us knew anything about it. They, you know, they were talking about having glandular fever. Um, and then as it went on and more and more of my colleagues and friends succumbed to HIV, um, the public perception of it was... Heartbreaking mm. and terrifying. I mean... Because people were uneducated about totally. it and they were fearful of it. You Very know, people much. thought if you touched someone... Oh, oh, yes. And, and, and 
and it wasn't just someone with AIDS. They then the general public began thinking if you touched a gay person, exactly. you know, like that was the hysteria that was there, going there on. There was all that hysteria, and I mean, there were cases of even health workers leaving trays of food outside a ward door in Is the that hospital. Right? Mm. Mm. That we've in, come a long in, way in the early. Oh God, Australia just zoomed forward with research and and awareness, and um, and yes, I, I I was part of that in a city situation because of prisoner because Joan Ferguson had become a bit of a, a, a gay I hate the word icon but I just but she is yeah and so through friends who owned premises um, in the gay community pubs and shops and so forth, I, and I was working a bar at the time for one of those folk, for Dawn. While you were working on prison? No, 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 <laughs> no. After I'd finished prison. So we, right. we come now to the um, late 80s, early 90s yep. when it was still raging. Yep. And um, the late Dawn O'Donnell who owned several pubs and shops and um, adult toy shops and, and steam baths and things like that um, had me – I was working in her, one of her pubs mm-hmm. in between jobs and she saw some value in fundraising uh, by having me judge a competition yeah, sure. or pull a raffle or something. And so it grew from there and then I did work for the AIDS Trust of Australia and then for the Bobby Goldsmith Foundation, um, all voluntary capacity – and it was about raising awareness. Uh, and all the while, along the way, you know, people were leaving me. And mm. Did that give you an insecurity um, because without the – with people that you loved leaving your life, yeah. where does that leave you as a person? Like um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's the consistency of friendship. Mm, is mm. being thrown all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, I still have some friends who have been friends for 50 years mm. or so. I recently um, lost a friend who I had known for 60 years. Wow. He passed away a month or two ago. Um Lifestyle, you mm-hmm. know, emphysema and, you know, all that. The swinging 60s. Yeah. I mean, he'd, ma- he'd managed to escape the virus, but um, his life took it, you know, his lifestyle took its toll, as it does with all of us. Yeah. Um, but, you know, these, these dear friends that I, I have for the past 50, 40, 30 years, I, I treasure, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, I'm very lucky. You seem like a very loyal person to me and the loyalty that I saw is when you went through the whole court case and that whole episode where that's a whole story in itself mm-hmm. with everything you went through that, but when you were acquitted, there were lots of people wanting your story. You could have made some money off that. Oh, yeah. But... Craig Bennett is a good, dear friend of yours, was mm-hmm. very supportive mm-hmm. of you during that time, mm-hmm. and who actually chose to do the interview, the first interview, with a little morning TV show called Studio 10 because of your friendship with Craig. Exactly. Exactly. I, I didn't want to d- go on those scurrilous other shows mm. because I didn't know what I'd be in for. Yes. 
Um, I'm extremely suspicious of some of those interview-type shows, um, Channel 9 and Channel 7, very suspicious. Mm. And I knew that I would be in good hands and it would be tasteful and... I mean, (laughs) even publicising the book, doing an interview for A Current Affair... Mm. kept bringing back the court case yeah, and having me looking out to sea like some lost soul. <laughs> and I kept trying to swing the, the interview back to the book or to the fun times. Yes. But no, they were... And so I, I was very wise in 2015 not to do that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was obviously a big exclusive for the show. Mm. It was a big deal for Craig, but... Um, it also gave you the, op- the the chance to tell your story. Craig had always been very supportive and I yeah. think this is the thing, when you're in the middle of a bubble like that, when we heard the story, the first thing people ask in, in, in talking to each other is, do you think she's guilty? Mm. Overwhelmingly, people said no. Mm. It's not often that happens. Yeah. But... There was a general general sense within the industry, this is just bullshit. Yeah, totally. And that, of course, was what the upshot was to the point where the barrister for the prosecution shook my hand as we were walking out after the acquittal and said, this should never have come to court. That's and, they, and I was amazing. dragged through the mud and... Joan Ferguson was on trial. Yes. Because in it, yes. every instance... The images were of Ferguson and the one that broke my heart was on the ABC News and it was a clip from Prisoner of Joan Ferguson in handcuffs being led away by two policemen and it was presented as a piece of news. Yes. It was not Maggie Kirkpatrick, it was Joan Ferguson. Yeah. And that broke my heart. I thought, what's happened to the ABC? You know... And uh, I still watch, though. (laughs) (laughs) Some of it, some of it. But uh, it it, it was just awful. And, and of course, front page all over the place and those ghastly um, News Limited people. And, of course, when I was acquitted, I think there was a little bit on about page Mm, seven. Mm, Always the way. Typical, isn't it? Mm. So cruel, so cruel. It's not sexy when you're found not guilty. Oh, no. Um, but a huge relief for you. Yeah, and for my family. Mm. And and truly the the support of my family and friends and particularly friends in show business and fans of Prisoner. I, I, I don't do Facebook, for instance, mm. but my family were very involved and some of it was ugly and had to be dealt with, but they kept that from me. Yeah. I didn't see the ugly. And um, but in the main, it was extremely supportive. Um, but you know, there are nutters out there who oh, would of have, have their say. But know. as I say, within the industry, mm. there were a lot of people sticking up for mm. you, and that's mm. probably something you you wouldn't have known about. No, e- except on on the odd occasion when I I went out, I think I went to a couple of opening nights or something. Mm-hmm. I was greeted with such love. And warmth by my peers. Mm. 
Um, it, it was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And um, I, I... Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm eternally grateful for that. But do you, I guess, and and I don't want to harp on this at all. But no, truly, it's part of my life, darling, you know. so Isn't that the problem, that it is part of your life? It's, it's well, something you it's never there. wanted? We, there are lots of things in our lives that we never want. No, that's you true, know. that's true. We don't want cancer, for Christ's sake, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it's there. And unfortunately, it's always going to be there. It's going to be in the back of my mind. It's no doubt going to be in the back of some people's minds. I would prefer if they let it go. I wish I could let it go. But it's not always there, but now and then there's a lurching in my gut when it comes back. But that's... That's getting less and less, but it's there, Rob. And, and obviously writing the book brought all this back mm, up mm. Be, for you. And and reading those pages was actually heartbreaking, mm. I've got to say, because um, I could feel it. I could feel – I can't even know what you went through. Mm. But I felt reading those pages I came as close to knowing as I possibly could, especially when you receive the first phone call and you're by the side of the oh. road. And, you know, I, I – I did get a sense of how it deeply affected you. Oh, it was horrible, horrible. And it was two years nearly. Mm. Best part of... That's a long time to have a black cloud hanging over you. And I had no idea. I mean, the general consensus of opinion was that it would not go to trial. Mm. Um, I, I think that... What is it in Victoria, the DPP? Mm. I think it was a scalp. Yeah, get, you know. Well, they failed. Yeah, yeah. And you wonder how many other cases they've they've taken on that really perhaps shouldn't. You know, there seems to be a a general feeling of get a celebrity. Yes, the flip side of of course could be that if they didn't prosecute, the the perception could have been that they let it go because it's a celebrity. Of course. I think that's what they're afraid of. Mm. If a complaint is made, mm. however spurious, um, if so, if it's not acted upon, then I'm sure that the gutter press would just love to yeah. say, "Oh, it's because so and so's," you know. But anyway, that's it's all by the by now. A happier part of your life has always been the theatre. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that feeling when you walk on stage. <laughs> Well, there are many feelings. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> nerves are quite good up to a certain point, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but if one feels a little under the weather or a bit tired or aching bones or whatever, oh, you think I can't do this and you walk on stage and you just feel. The adrenaline every, kicks every, in. It kicks in. Doctor Theatre, we call it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and boy, have I had some beauties, which you would have read in the book with, uh-huh. the, with the walking stick. Yes, <laughs> that you were hunched over oh. and then you walk on stage and you're upright and no one would ever know. Unspeakable pain. Oh. Was Wicked one of your favourite productions? Oh, God, yes. And it was also seven years' work. Yes. In the theatre. Which is amazing. That doesn't happen. No. I've done a year, 18 mm. months, you know, in the big musicals. Mm. But seven years, God. Um, the experience seemed very happy, except when you they asked you to take a week off when the news was breaking yeah. about the court Yeah, case. I was a little miffed about that, yeah. Yeah, and luckily you were able to go back. Mm. Mm. Um, but... You spoke very fondly of a lot of people, but one of the surprising things I did find in the book was uh, your relationship with Bert Newton. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was the problem? Look, I, I had known Bert for a long time, and and his morning show, I had mm. done many times. Although I must say that I I would be on his show promoting a play, and he always kept bringing the uh, interview back to prisoner. Right, and I'd have to push. Look. Bert's a larger-than-life character and not to take away from his extraordinary career, Mm. you know. um, When we went through that awful time of Rob dying, um, just three months into the production, you know, and I This is Rob Guest. Rob Guest. I had just begun to form the working relationship with Rob Mm. and I thought, oh, this is going to be a buddy here, you know. We're going to have a lot of laughs together and enjoy each other's company, he and his lovely lady, Kelly. And then bingo, he's gone like that. Yeah. Phew. Well, as I said... And you found out after a performance, didn't you? No, just before. Oh, oh, no, they didn't tell us until after the matinee. yeah. So we had that. The news had broken before, but you didn't get told until after. No, I was on my way into the theatre for the mm. matinee when the stage manager said that Rob was off yes. for the matinee. And I thought, oh, I didn't think it would take, he'd, he'd be off. And then she informed me that our musical director, his partner, Kelly, was also off. I thought, oh, it must be a family problem. Yeah. So let it go. But all through the matinee, I had a very ugly feeling, you know. And poor old John Frost had to tell us at after the show, we were told to wait on stage and it was heartbreaking. And were you glad they waited? Well, we still had to do the night show, mm. but we at least had a couple of hours break mm. um, to get ourselves together. Mm. And so um, on, on the Burt... Issue. I um, I was kind of disappointed that he was cast, only because, as I've said in the book, his personality overshadowed any depth that the wizard might have had. Mm-hmm. In contrast to other wizards that we had, like the great Reg Livermore, yep. who had a really interesting under scoring of the character, Simon Gallagher, was a different one again. And because it impacted on me, I found it really difficult to be truthful with my relationship with the wizard. Right. And and that, frankly, was simply because of his larger-than-life personality that just wiped away any 
underscoring of of characterization. So, so really, when people were there, they weren't seeing the wizard; they no, were seeing Bert Newton. Yeah, and, and it was frustrating. And then I, I discovered his offstage behaviour. <laughs> this was before the Me Too movement, right? Everything was sexual innuendo, right? And it was tedious. I wasn't offended. I found it tedious <laughs> and childish, to the point that pronouncements were being made during the curtain call for charity drives that we yep. frequently had, bearing in mind a theatre full of 2,000 fam- at a family show. Mm. And still this innuendo was coming at me, standing beside him, sexual innuendo. Why you? Well, I was standing beside him and right. I'm a female. I, I don't know. And it just, it finally got to me, you know, in, in Adelaide and I just let him have it. When you say let him have it, what does that mean? I just said words. <laughs> expletives? <laughs> well, it wouldn't be me without the expletives, would it? You've been but, very but, good so far. <laughs> but the, t- the, t- the tone of it was, I'm not here to be your stooge on that yeah, stage. Right. I'm here to play a role. And his response was, oh, get a sense of humour or where's your sense of humour? And I just stormed off. Were you surprised then, or maybe you weren't surprised, when at the Logies his routine didn't go down well and there was a bit of backlash no, about that? No, not surprised at all. Not surprised at all. I Look, there's a, a generational thing with some men. Um, well, that's the thing. That's his humour. He's built a whole career off it. Yeah, like Benny Hill. Mm. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's silly and it's... It's puerile and it's not it's not funny anymore. So how do you continue working with someone after you've had had it out? You've made your position clear. Made my point, yeah. Which is very fair I enough. I just put up with it until the end came. Mm-hmm. But the end was nigh. <laughs> um, I think it was when I... I didn't go to Singapore because I was having a hip replacement. Right. So lovely Anne Wood went to Singapore for the season there, and I think it was there that Bert unfortunately got quite ill. That's right. Yeah. And so after the hip came Adelaide. No. No, you just done Adelaide when you had it out at it. Yeah. I don't know what came... God, the memory's going, love. Well, you were doing so many. I, I can't yeah. believe you remember where you were. Yeah, you know, now, it's it, Tuesday. I must be in Sydney. He must have. I had the hip done in Brisbane. Then went to Adelaide. Mm-hmm. And after that, I think it was Perth. Right. Where I no longer spoke at all. Right. Just ignored. Um, and that's very easy to do. You know. mm-hmm. Because I hope I'm not a hypocrite. I don't think anyone would <laughs> accuse you of that. It's interesting um, working with you personally on Studio 10 and only a handful of times. Mm. Um, I was very impressed with your professionalism. Mm. And I think that really stood out. You, you were the kind of person, because when we had those fifth panellists, a whole variety of people came in. Some people took it very seriously. Some mm. people just didn't know what they were doing. Mm. 
um, you did the prep, you knew what you were talking about, and you were you wanted advice on how to make things better. Mm. Um, is that the way you've approached your entire career? Pretty much so. Um, I'm certainly not backward in seeking advice mm-hmm. if I don't. It's logical, you mm. know. Rather than make a cock-up of something. Yeah, but a lot of people get to a point in their life where they don't want to advise because they want to be seen as the oracle and giving advice. Oh, no, no. I I, I could never be like that. Um, I've often been asked to teach or direct, Mm -hmm. but I have no desire to do either. Mm. Um, As far as teaching goes, I use the old adage, those who can do and those who can't teach. (laughs) (laughs) But... When I'm working, <laughs> when I'm working, I know instinctively what's wrong. I think I'm pretty much an instinctive actor, actually, yeah. although there is research and study to go along with it. But it's pretty much a gut thing with me mm-hmm. and um, no highfalutin intellectual stuff. But I can see when things are wrong but it's not my place to tell people. That's interesting. Yeah. I may mention it to the powers that be. Yes. But as to say to another actor, oh, look, that's not right, you should really try such and such, no. But on occasions when I have been asked, um, I was asked once by um, a company manager to help someone in Wicked who was in an important standby position and she'd been cast because she had a fabulous voice, but she had no acting experience. Uh, she didn't know how to, you know, digest a script or anything like that. So I, I quite happily sat down with her and took her through the script and said, this is this, this is this, this is da 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 and this is where you're going here and that's what so-and-so said about you, blah, blah, blah. And then I said, and when you're standing up on that, that rostrum, I said... Don't close your eyes. Look at the other actors down below you. Well, the improvement was immense. That's brilliant. And I was so proud of her and even more proud when I went to see her in a show and in the program notes was a dedication to me. No. That's when you know you've had a real influence on someone. That's beautiful. And I've I've been kind of chuffed by little cards and and mementos that people I've worked with, young people I've worked with have given me, who said, I've learned so much from you. Well, I haven't taught them anything. Perhaps they've just done what I did Mm. and learned from my betters. Just uh, perhaps about etiquette, theatre and stage etiquette. Yes. Things like that Mm. that seem to be lacking in the smart drama schools. Ah, they, they so there's a generational change. Oh, happening. very much so. They seem to come out of these some of these places with a big star over their yes, heads, you know, because yes. grandma or mummy have told them they're brilliant. <laughs> and then they get it's a bit like driving a car, you know. You get a license and then you really learn to drive. Yeah, that's right. And uh, you graduate from some fancy drama school and then you really learn how mm. to act. It's interesting what you talked about having a gut feeling of what's right and what's wrong uh, because you did mention that even during the prisoner days they had a storyline for Joan that you just thought was completely oh, wrong. Oh, silly, stupid. Ballroom dancing. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> but at least they listened to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
And, and the result was very disappointing because it was my suggestion that she take up golf. Yes. Because golf is a social thing. Yeah. And the idea, the writers and the producers wanted Joan to try and have a bit of a life outside Wentworth. And so I thought, hmm, golf. Because when I was quite small, I had a, a, a couple of favourite aunts who played golf. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I used to love trailing around the golf course with them. <laughs> and I thought, hmm, maybe... They'll get me a really nice set of golf clubs and I can actually take it up when I oh, when that'd it's be over. Lovely. Mm. No. They got a very tired old set of clubs <laughs> from our lovely floor manager. Oh, they did, they didn't even hire any, they just <laughs> He loaned them and then he got them back. <laughs> So golf was never um, a part of my life, I'm afraid. Wasn't meant to be. No, it wasn't meant to be. Um, talking about Prisoner one last time, there's obviously, you know, you've talked about the fans and you have such a great relationship with them and you've been to England for that with the musicals and all that kind of stuff. Um, there was a reunion recently, but you weren't part of that. What was the What happened there? Rumour hath it that I was unwell. Yes. That's not the case. I wondered. (laughs) I, uh, a a certain original member Mm. was not even notified of the event. You weren't told about it? No. A certain original member in the very first episode and in the very last episode, was not even notified of the event, let alone invited to it. And then when I saw where profits were going, I thought, no, that's not fair. It should go to the Actors' Benevolent Fund. Mm. So there were all sorts of stories around that I was unwell, that I was working. and Well, there's a specific quote that I read today that said... Um, that you were in at one point, but you were too unwell to attend. <laughs> Not my words, Rob. No. Nah. So is there a fractured relationship between some of the cast of Prisoner? There probably is. I don't see too many. Mm. Um, I'm in touch with Elspeth Ballantyne constantly um, and Betty Bobbitt. Mm. And until recently, Anne Phelan was very important in my life Mm -hmm. and uh, we lost Annie Mm. a couple of weeks ago. Um, No, I I don't... If if there's any contact to be made, there are some that I'm happy to pick up the phone and chat to. Some of them I was friends with before Prisoner, you know. It's interesting your term there because you're the kind of person who picks up the phone to anyone in in most circumstances. So if you're not picking up the phone, that speaks volumes to me, (laughs) I will say. Um, Me and pub phone. (laughs) (laughs) I think I rang you for some directions and we had a 40-minute chat or something (laughs) like that. But... um, in all seriousness, the idea of reunion for a prisoner reunion appeals to the fans and they would love that. And obviously you were such an important character. So they would feel a yeah, bit but disappointed. So, so, so were the others. Of course. So were the others. And um, Not disputing that at all. Uh, I, I, I have recently been back yet again to the UK just last week. and That's um, right. You know, that's fine. That's fine. I... 
I just wonder sometimes about all that, mm-hmm. that those appearances and things. I mean, I, I, I try to do it with as good grace as possible, but sometimes I want to say, get a life. You know, people have lives. Yeah. But they also have um, uh, a part of them. And I'm a Doctor Who fan. Yeah. Okay, so I can talk about this. (laughs) I've got a mate in in the UK who is too. Right. Yeah. So um, Doctor Who is my prisoner. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And so we get excited by it. Now, I don't go to the level of other Doctor Who fans Mm. who dress up in characters. Oh, well, God, yes. You know, and they Mm. are desperate to go to events. But the idea of meeting one of the Doctors Mm. is huge. And I've actually met a few over the years. Good. And... So I, uh, that would be the feeling these people get from seeing you. And it's hard for you to put yourself in that position. But just think about the time you met S- Sammy Davis Jr. Yes, right? yes. That's how these people are feeling when they get to see you yeah. and get to hear your stories. It's really, it's really strange because aside from meeting Sammy and working on stage with Topol, uh, Susanna York mm. and... Yeah, I I have, I I can be a fangirl too, mm. but I would no more approach somebody <laughs> than you know fly over the moon. I I actually was very embarrassed the other day at the Gold Coast Airport because that fabulous group of chaps, um, Human Nature, oh, yes. were there at the baggage check, and one of them I don't even know their names, you know, but I think they're. Extremely talented young men. And one of them is the husband of a young actor I worked with. Right. And I thought, oh, bugger it. Because I had read that they, they were married and had kids and all. So I went home and I just tapped him on the arm. And he turned around and I knew in an instant he was hating me being, being there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, look, I'm sorry to bother you, but um, your partner, Darren, he said, my husband. I said, yes, 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 you're... Your husband uh, was a colleague of mine. We worked together and I would very much like you to give him my love and wish him a Merry Christmas. And then his face softened. Yes. And said, oh, yes, I remember. Oh, I gave him my name. And I, and, and I said, he said, yes, I remember. But I, I saw that look. Yeah, that first one. Oh, oh, here we go. Oh, shit, here we go. <laughs> Who's this old fool? <laughs> Bloody old geriatric. I don't think anyone would call you a fool. <laughs> well, an old geriatric. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have really enjoyed chatting to you. The, <laughs> I have too. Um, the enthusiasm you bring to what you do has it, it. It's exciting being in a room talking with you. Oh um, gosh, that's lovely. I, I genuinely mean that, you know. And I think that um, I think your career is something to be admired and. It's great for people to hear your story. So I, I genuinely say go and get The Gloves Are Off because it is a great book and a great read and you won't be disappointed. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for being on McKnight tonight. Bye. Fun insightful interviews from a watched the producer with nothing to lose. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 